0: Depending on what we have used as a follow up, anything from 100 to £140 a hectare, so it's a lot of money, but we kind of have to spend that, you, you just, I just can't risk not doing that. You know, we've got a way, I've drilled a couple of fields after grass this year and we've gone with just a, a straight Liberator and a top-up Plufenacet I and mean, that's probably near a sort of £50 a hectare, £60 a hectare, but I know they'll be okay, I'm fairly confident.
1: The wet weather and floods affected both Ireland and England over the past few months farmers in both countries are affected and the consequences of this will persist well into next year. Based on reports from the UK, lower than normal plantings and patchy crops are a feature on many farms. You're listening to the latest episode of the Tillage Edge with me, Michael Hennessy. We would really appreciate it if you could listen, follow and give us a review on Apple or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from. A first-hand perspective is always the best way to get a sense of the conditions on the ground and with that in mind I'm delighted to be joined by Andy Mann, a farm manager in the Bournemouth Farm in North Bedfordshire in the heart of England. Andy, it's been a very difficult year here in Ireland weather-wise over the summer and well into the autumn. How's the weather been with you across in the UK?
0: It's been very similar I think Michael. We, We got very lucky and I managed to just We've got quite a big combine now for what we're cutting and uh, we managed to snatch most of our harvests fairly dry. Uh, we didn't start combining until well into August this year, so a good bit later than last year, very different year this year. Um, and then in the autumn, we started, we hedged our bets and started drilling probably, uh, it was about the 25th of September, I think, and um, we've managed to get everything that I wanted planted this autumn drilled up so we've got 340 hectares of wheat drilled but okay. um uh we the real bad weather seemed to come across Ireland and along the south coast of England and up the East Coast and we kind of missed most of that the sort of storm bubette and stuff but I I've been around a little bit in the last couple of weeks and it's been pretty bad in places sort of going up into Lincolnshire and up the East Coast I've got friends who, who haven't got anything drilled or anything they have got drills just just drowned basically it's been underwater and it's had it so there's it's not been great over here either i think there's there's you know some people have been okay and some have got lucky and uh, others less so
1: we might uh, circle back around to, to, to 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 the plant in a minute but if we go back to the harvest if you're to think back to that and you're saying that you started quite late August, you were saying, which it would be just, I think we started earlier than we ever done here in Ireland this year was probably late June, which hardly ever happens. But if you to think back to your harvest, Andy, in terms of some of the highs and lows, do you think along the way, or is there anything that kind of sticks out in your head? Uh,
0: again, a mixed bag with harvest. I mean, we didn't have any uh, winter barley or winter oilseed grapes. So we were quite winter wheat's our first crop anyway. So, um, and again, mixed bag really where we got poor drainage with, you know very wet winter over here last year, and a lot of the crops went backwards. And that early spring was very wet as well for us, March uh, was very wet, so a lot of the wheat went backwards rapidly over that. They established well last autumn and then went backwards, and they never really recovered some of our fields. Um, it's just by pure chance in the rotation where some of them were on some badly drained fields. Um, and yeah, we we uh, bushel weights were lower than last year, I think, lack of sunlight there, but uh. And yields were probably, I'd say we're probably 15 to 20% down for us. Most, I think most people would sort of would be 10, 15% down over here. We were probably 15 to 20% down on yield compared to last year or the year before, or even though like our long-term average. So um, like I say, bush weights are a little bit lower. There's not much from what I'm hearing spec either in terms of milling wheat. I think um uh, milling premiums are, are really good. There's, anything sort of 60 quid a ton milling premiums floating about at the moment and it's in demand but um, there's a lot of feed wheat about over here that you know there's not really homes for it at the moment so uh, the prices aren't very exciting but yeah harvest was okay but like I say highs I suppose we had some good fields of Dorsum after spring oats that sort of did 11 tonne a hectare and then fields that were full of black grass and poorly drained that were probably near a 6 tonne a hectare so um, quite a wide range of yields this year
1: and was it a case, Andy, of, of, the, of the on those uh, wetter fields that that the, there was kind of bare patches that, he, he, that were kind of scalded out of it or the, the, the crop just didn't perform overall?
0: I think, yeah, it thinned out. And of course, you know, black grass is a bit of a, a boggy plant and it likes the mm-hmm. wet weather and with a huge flush of spring black grass. I think I might have covered that in one of the other podcasts last spring, but huge flush of spring black grass and that competes well with the crop. And that, I always think if you've got bad black grass, you'll lose probably two tonne a hectare, you know, off your wheat crop. So um, it was a perfect storm, I think, in terms of uh, bad yield or, or, you know, uh,
1: last year. A big difficulty over here was um, around straw. I mean, it was was straw from winter barley on the ground for probably five, maybe even six weeks in some cases. On your farm, do you chop or do you you bale or sell any straw? We're,
0: we chop everything we're not okay. there's not i've got two dairy farms locally that um was well, three dairy farms locally but that's about the only livestock in the area and a few few sheep floating about but um it's a mostly an arable area um and with a catchy harvest as well there's a there's a guy who does um horse bedding and stuff like that um he was after straw but with a catchy harvest he wasn't paying enough and and to be honest the we we just chop everything we we used to when we grew into barley years ago we used to sell that but um i, I tend to chop all the straw anyway now
1: okay so given your the last year that's kind of gone out is there any f- focus more or less based on those results in terms of what you're going to do in the next year or do you pretty much have a plan going from year to year in terms of your rotation and, and, and that kind of thing uh, and if everything goes to plan in terms of the weather, well that's what that's the, the, the process I'm gonna go with.
0: I mean we, we, we don't tend to have too much of a fixed rotation. We try and grow fifty percent of the arable area in wheat, whatever happens. So whether that's first wheat or second week, usually that would be three quarters first wheat and a quarter second wheat. Um winter beans and spring oats have been our break crops. Um we've tried spring linseed, we've tried spring peas, not particularly successfully. So that's the sort of, we fit the rotation around that. Um, one big thing I suppose we have decided is to drop winter beans because they didn't perform at all this year. They didn't perform last year. And I'm just, yeah, I, I you know, I just seem to be throwing good money after bad trying to grow beans. The last decent crop of beans I had was probably 2018. Um, we didn't grow them for a year or two. Uh, after 2019 was very wet here, and, and 2020, but I've tried growing beans the last three years, just not very successfully. And so we've um, we're putting that ground that would be spring bean, uh, winter beans rather, into um, into stewardship, into environmental stewardship. So there's a new SFI over here, the Sustainable Farming Incentive. You can sign up; it's sort of a rolling start date. And then one of the options there is a um, legume fallow. Which pays uh, five hundred and ninety-three pounds a hectare, and you you basically the it's fairly free and easy. I think I I think I'm within the rules from what I've I've seen and, and asked about. Um, so we'll put basically a summer cover crop in uh, in as, as early as we can in, in the spring and run that through to the autumn till we plant winter wheat in, and that'll be that'll be our break crop. Um, and I have played around with summer cover crops, and we've had some really really good wheat yields after that. So It'd still be a legume uh but it'll be a legume with probably 12 other species in there and the cover crop and that that you know you get that bit of nitrogen you get a, a good you know good chance to get on top of black grass as well and um sure. you get you know a nice cover crop to drill into which suits our system really well so that's probably the big change that we're we're going to grow you know stop growing beans and um
1: and is and that? It's just just as a as a matter of interest. From that uh, stewardship scheme bit that you're talking about, there is that is that only a yearly based thing? You can put in there, and you can go to go to another spot of your farm next year, or give up altogether next year. it's just a year by year kind of basis. You just apply for, you get into it, and you go.
0: We, We're in the pilot SFI scheme. I've got part of the farm in a pilot, and I wasn't too excited about it. If I'm honest, it wasn't paying a lot, and the options weren't great. They've bandied it around a lot and actually for, for somebody who farms uh along my lines it really suits me we've it's very flexible um you sign up for um a three-year agreement the quarterly payment dates um the options you pick the options you want to sign up to so i've signed up to 45 pounds a hectare for no insecticides and um, 55 pounds a hectare for a companion crop with a winter winter cereal so we'll probably put something like linseed down or clover down with our um when we're drilling and um you know what makes it makes it and what doesn't or if it becomes a problem you can take it out in the spring it's only got to be in over that winter we've also got this cover crop options and stuff as well so it's quite a flexible scheme and yeah you can rotate it around the farm or some of the options like herbal lays or or that um, legume fallow you can leave it in place for a number of years if you want to um so it's, it is it's actually as I've got into it, and the application process is quite straightforward, I think it'll be okay. You know, it's uh, it'll suit us very well.
1: So it sounds almost like a, a scheme that was kind of almost designed, like you say, for yourself in terms of the kind of the regen ag kind of a kind of a process, if you like. I or, think, or... Uh,
0: <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't disagree with that, Michael. I think uh, some of the more conventional farmers over here aren't particularly enamoured with it, but uh, okay. for me, it, it ticks a lot of boxes and and just basically means we can get paid for doing what we were doing anyway sort of thing
1: well that's what that's the ideal scheme <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. so you 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 said that you got on well planting your winter crops you have 340 hectares in i think is what you said yep. Um and just r- just remind us just a little bit around your process around just sort of post-harvest you're using a horizon disc uh, which is kind of a direct drill type system you might just remind us um, when the combine rolls out of the field, kind of what happens between then and the winter crop going in afterwards?
0: Uh, very little, really, to be honest. We're quite lazy, I suppose. Uh, <laughs> we usually assume, you know, if we get breaks in combine and we're drilling cover crops prior to spring cropping, so prior to spring oats, um, and once we got that done, um, if there's any remedial cultivations, we've got a side like carrier, so only a very shallow disc machine, and a mould drainer. They're the two sort of Cultivation equipment we've got, I suppose, um, and we don't tend to. If we don't need to, we don't go near the fields. I have the the more we do, the more we need to do, sort of thing on the on the on the cultivation cycle, and the less we do, the less we need to do. If you, if that makes sense, um, yeah, we're seeing very good establishment on our headlands. People always say, "Well, oh, you must subsoil your headlands," but actually, we're seeing really good establishment in our headlands, and they're yielding just as well. So we don't tend to touch the fields unless we need to. There's there's a couple of tram lines that we cultivated out and where we've we've done drainage. Um we drained a couple of fields uh last not last summer, the summer before and we've leveled those fields. So we've had to run the carrier a few times to get with tilth and and level those fields and, and where we've mould drained as well. Um unfortunately I did order a new mold drainer in July and it still hasn't been delivered actually, but I was hoping that would have been here and we could have had most of September mould draining because we we really do need to catch up with drainage a bit on the farm. I think that the, the really dry summer last year um, broke up a lot of the mould drains on the farm, so I was hoping to get back on top of that. Unfortunately, that didn't happen. So, uh, so yeah, we don't do a lot though. Uh, is the answer to your question really, Michael? Between uh, combining and drilling,
1: and can I just ask you a quick question as regards to weeds? And every you know, weeds will adapt to whatever system is there. If, in terms of broadleaf weeds because we know you have you, were, you mentioned already you have black grass which is kind of difficult enough in the best of the times but in terms of some of the broadleaf weeds are any of those weeds that coming into the system that you didn't really see before but now are starting to become a bit more of a, a challenge?
0: No the only broadleaf weeds aren't any worse probably um, not really seeing any any great issues with any broadleaf weeds the only other weed is a grass weed is brome uh, we're seeing more brome and we have to use the herbicides accordingly, you know, because we're not plowing, I suppose. Um, no, no great surprise where um, brome can be a bit of an issue. But I, I don't think that's, that's certainly not getting away from us. And, and, you know, we still have good herbicide activity with uh, against brome. But no, certainly broadly, weeds aren't any more of a problem than um, they have been in the past
1: okay so you started planting then in 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 I can't remember when you said it was in September I presume you, you yeah started. it was
0: about the 25th or 26th of September I think we started yeah and we we took we sort of picked off the cleaner black grass fields so anywhere where I felt we weren't going to have too much issue with black grass um we'd start starting those fields we, we made a, a steady start we had a few just trying to get it to flow through the drill we put new metal on the drill and just getting this quite fine adjustment on the horizon between the the seed boot and the disc and um we were a steady start uh but once we got going we were we were knocking out some good acres a day and um yeah
1: we um what are you getting through in a day in terms of a- a- acreage that's a four meter or six meter horizon
0: it? uh, it's a, si- a six meter drill so okay. uh, i think the best day we had this year we drilled 50 hectares and probably the worst day where we were having problems and it was wet and sticky, probably 10 hectares. So um, it very much depends on the field size. Our average field size is probably about seven or eight hectares here. So um, it just, it does depend. If you get on some, you know, our biggest field is is, uh, 42 hectares. Um, our smallest field is, is two and a half hectares so oh, nice, nice, we've got okay. quite a range uh, of field sizes so yeah a lot depends on on where you're drilling sort of thing on the farm as well as the, what output you can get
1: you mentioned wet conditions and obviously the horizon is a disc type uh, drill rather than a coulter yeah you might describe kind of what you're kind of worried about there in terms of those conditions
0: the drill will usually tell you because it'll start to stick to the discs uh, and it'll stick to the 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 gauge wheel is sort of like a gauge wheel that runs on the side that controls the depth a little bit. Um, If you start to get mud building up on that, um, it it, the the drill just the discs stall, and then they start to drag through the soil, and and you'll just you'll soon you can when you're drilling you can see it if you look back on your last pass you can soon see it. Um, They're not very forgiving in the wet, you know. That's why we tend to start a little bit earlier drilling perhaps than other people because you know it just goes so much better when it's drier if you're into a big cover crop and you've got a bit of uh green ma- material to drive on it um it does go that bit better but yeah we are very uh sticky clay soils high mag soil so
1: and and if if, if it starts to stick in that way you were talking about you just you just have to stop there's no adjustment it's just that's it it's too wet you yeah you, you kind of have
0: to you, you know i've got brave over the years now and I, i'll just call it like we're better off you know the cost of of uh, everything pre-emergence herbicides and everything and fertilizer you just can't afford it needs to go in well i always think it's the old adage of well sown as half grown sort of thing that's i sort of stick by that i suppose
1: and given i suppose the very wet conditions and um, that are there is two questions kind of come into my mind and certainly here in ireland there's a huge pressure of slugs out there this year how's that performing <laughs> more, any issues at all in your place
0: yeah, you know, I was just talking to my uh, um, a friend who's an agronomist before we came on the call here, and uh, I haven't used slug pellets um, for three years now, and I've spent I think forty five pounds a hectare on slug pellets this year. So, all
1: right, yeah, right. <laughs> Come <out of> nowhere.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, we we just haven't had a slug issue. I haven't really had to use them, um, but I could see you know coming through September. We had um, you know a fair bit. Yeah, September's usually been a fairly dry month for us, um, but we had, I think we had 80 odd mill of rain in September, and then uh, you could soon see it out, you know, walking stubbles, you could see slugs grazing. They were very easy, they weren't hard to find. So, as soon as we uh, drilled, we rolled, and then we put slug pellets on, you know, there was just, you could, those slugs were easy to find. So, um, we were on with ferric phosphate, we put seven kilos out, there, and I've been back over. Some of it I've had to do twice. So um hence why we're getting up to uh forty-five pounds a hectare, where we've had two or two and a half applications in some cases. So yeah, they've been bad this year.
1: Year for them, I suppose, really, given given the very wet, long period of wet, wet kind of time. Um just go back to 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 the weed control. You mentioned blackgrass, and obviously that's a it's a very tricky weed to control on on any farm. Um, did you happen or what's your strategy maybe I'll ask you first in terms of your um terms of overall weed control where do you start and where do you stop anything kind of in terms of that in terms of black grass control
0: you've got to do everything you can really and it starts with the sort of cultural controls black grass doesn't a lot of people like to do shallow cultivation um i think our system where we don't do that so we're not aiming to flush to, you know we're relying on on the weather to flush i suppose and we did have a very good flush of black grass prior to even at harvest time you could find a lot of black grass growing in the bottom of the the crop that we were cutting um so and then we spray that off why well, i put glyphosate in um with the pre-em sort of post drilling um some people go before that um but also blackgrass doesn't really like being sat on the surface of the field you know in amongst the stubble predators and and it's, it indeed starts to rot when it's wet as well so that's to me is is how we, we go about it. And then a fairly robust uh pream we sort of um liberated precluse this year as a pream and then depending on the risk following up, uh we've uh followed up with more um for set um on, on quite a lot of it after that as well.
1: You use um, year
0: we don't we used it for two or three years. I might go back to it again. We haven't got an applicator anymore. I did have an applicator on my old drill, so um, we were using Avidex then, but I have I followed up with Luxenum uh, on some of it this year. So we've spent a fair bit of money where we've gone with Proclus, uh, Liberator pream, and then following up with Luxenum Storm. That's uh, you yeah, know pretty punchy, <laughs> um, yeah, but I, I felt I needed to do that in places. Um, and obviously we've had a lot of wet weather since, and the crop is it's okay, but I wouldn't say the wheat crops enjoying having that much herbicide floating about in the
1: system either. No. What sort of, or can you tell us what sort of costs is that costing in terms of herbicide control?
0: Depending on what we have used as a follow-up, anything from 100 to 140 pounds a hectare. So yeah, it's pretty, it's a lot of money, but we kind of have to spend that. You, you just, I just can't risk not doing that. You know, we've got a way. I've drilled a couple of fields after grass this year, and we've gone. With just a, a straight liberator and a top-up set I and mean, that's probably near a sort of fifty pound a hectare, sixty pound a hectare. But I know they'll be okay. Um, I'm fairly confident. And but do even you have there,
1: the, I do you have herbicide resistant black grass? I presume maybe everybody does, oh, yeah. but
0: yeah, yeah. There's, there's there's I don't think there's anything that anybody that hasn't now. Unfortunately, okay.
1: so some of the some of the post-emerge, as in Pacific, or some of those kind of ones just really don't. Whatever you get pre-emerge, yeah. you get pre-emerge. Is that really it?
0: I think basically you've got to go big on the pre-emergence herbicides and the sort of top up as well. Keep that, that early top up going. Um, and that's the only, you know, I think anything post-emergence doesn't really bring much to it now, unfortunately. So you've got to get that combination right. Um, and some years, you know, it might be drier years. Avidex has done better, um, other years less so. Um, but I think I'm, I'm pretty happy so far with what I've seen that, I think the herbicides have worked very well because we've had that so much rain so much moisture about they've worked really well
1: okay okay so your crops are generally speaking looking pretty okay even given all the wet
0: probably there's of the 340 hectares 300 i'm pretty happy with at the moment from what i've seen there's 40 hectares um i was going to try and walk it this afternoon but i haven't got to it yet but that was the last few fields we drilled um we only just about got them rolled and they are sat pretty wet so i um they've had two doses of slug pellets they were just emerging they were the last fields um i was away last week so um i haven't had a chance to go and have a look at those but i'll be interested to see how they're doing their wet fields anyway so um
1: i suppose all in all 300 over 340 wouldn't be too bad in one of the wettest um autumns in memory I've, yeah, oh, yeah no, i would be say. very
0: happy <laughs> yeah i'll be very yeah, happy I, I i think i'm hopeful most of it will come come to something so
1: brilliant listen andy it's been great to talk to you um we'll uh, and and hopefully it's a good well it's a good spot to stop on i suppose in in terms of an optimistic note, things are going reasonably well which is great and uh look we'll 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 catch up with you again maybe in the new year to see how all the crops are progressing over the winter so thanks very much again
0: that'd be great no problem michael we'll catch you soon
1: so that's it for this week and a huge thanks to andy for joining me on the show Chago successfully ran the Grassweed Conference yesterday and there was an excellent scientific and technical information delivered on the day. We also had farmers working in the project telling us about their experiences and how they are combating grassweeds. We specially recorded the conference and we will play some of the selected parts of that over the coming weeks and months. So finally don't forget if you enjoyed the podcast then recommend it to a friend or colleague and as always rate, review and follow on Apple or Spotify so you never miss an episode. And for more information, go to Chagas.ie. I'm Michael Hennessy. Thanks for listening, and I'll be back next week with more tillage news and advice.